0: So last week I challenged you, I said, that I would love to hear from some of you, and you don't have to do it this morning, but I'm just putting a reminder out there, and uh, I may I may chase a few people down, but I don't like chasing people, but if you have a story of how Jesus changed your life, I want you to tell it. Uh, I want you to have, be able to share it uh, with our church, with our church family, and so if, if you have... Uh, an opportunity, or not an opportunity, you have an opportunity, if you uh, have the courage to maybe get up and share that with everybody, I'm going to invite you to do that over the next couple weeks. So uh, you really have a two-week break, because I'm not going to invite you to do it next week, but the week after is Thanksgiving weekend. And so maybe for Thanksgiving weekend, it would be a really good opportunity, because you could say something like this, I'm really thankful that God changed my life, and this is how he did it. And then you can fill in the blanks. So I already got the first sentence written for you, okay? Uh, But what we really want to do, this this series through this fall leading up to Christmas time, is talk about God's plan for this world and sending Jesus. And God's plan was to reconcile the world through Jesus Christ, to bring those who are far from God close to God. And he uses people like you and me to do that. Now, reconciliation is why Jesus came. He came to transform our lives so that we wouldn't have to be a slave to our sin, that we wouldn't have to experience eternal death. But he came to bring us life, and he came us to bring us life to the full. Or he came to bring us abundant life, or he came to bring us a joyful life now and in the future. And I don't know about you, but I really am glad that following Jesus is not boring. If it's boring, I always say you're doing it wrong. Maybe there's moments in life where we feel like things are a little bit mundane or kind of in the routine, and some of us like routine. Some of us like those patterns, and some of us like a lot of change. Some of us like to keep things fluid and moving all the time. But I believe that Jesus, no matter who you are in the process, is that Jesus is never meant to be boring. Following Jesus is never meant to be dry, no matter how boring Pastor Gary's messages get on Sunday mornings. They're supposed to be one of the greatest adventures of your life. And this is exactly what Jesus did. And this is what we're talking about, the Jesus method. We're going to look at the things that Jesus did to reach, teach, and develop his disciples And we're going to adopt those same principles. And so last week, if you remember, we talked about uh, the word selection. He was strategic in the people that he chose to follow him. Now, he had masses of crowds follow him. He had groups of people and, and a number of people follow him. But he had 12 close followers. He had 12 disciples that followed him everywhere that he went, that he was always with. No matter where he went, they were there or very close by also, breathe, breathe, breathe. There you go. It's just water. Did you put, it, did you put some seeds in the water, Mackenzie? Good. <laughs> but Jesus was strategic in the people that he selected. He selected people that were teachable. He selected people that were willing. And he selected people that were humble. And all except one stood up to their test of time. Now, I believe that there are a lot of people in our lives that probably aren't in this room that need Jesus. And not all of those people, no matter how hard you try, they're always probably going to give you the cold shoulder the moment you bring up Jesus. Because who likes to talk about something controversial with your friends? I, I may have shared this story before, but when I was uh, in Godrich, my senior pastor was going away on vacation, and he said, Gary, you're going to preach on such and such a day, but I don't, uh, I don't want you to preach on anything controversial, just preach Jesus. So I looked at him and said, hey, Pastor Brian, you want me to preach about the most controversial person in the entire universe? Perfect. I will preach just Jesus on that Sunday. But sometimes it can get awkward talking about these things, and quite honestly, there's people in our lives that just don't want to hear it. And so I would say this to you. Continue to pray, continue to reach out, and when the conversation allows, go for it. But spend your energies on the people that are willing. Spend the energies on the people that are ready. The people in your life that are willing to listen. Because that's who Jesus went after. And when you focus on the people that God has called you to and those that are willing, it doesn't really matter what all the mockers and the teasers and the jokers say. Because their voice doesn't matter in your life. Because you're focused, just like Jesus was. He had a lot of people mock him. He had a lot of people disown him and laugh at him and just completely turn the other way. But it didn't matter to him because he was focused on 12. Because he knew if he could get 12 of those disciples to follow him everywhere that he went and be totally sold out, willing to die for his mission, he knew that they would change the world. And why did he know that he would change the world? Because of the promise that we're going to talk about today. Because he promised that he would never leave them. He promised that no matter what, he would never leave them. And so our second method of making disciples, the second method we're going to talk about today is association. If you have a Bible today, I'm going to invite you to turn to Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 to 20. Now, you may know this verse if you've been around church for a while. And if you haven't, that's okay. But Matthew 28 18 to 20. When you are there, if you have the Bible or on your phone, say, I'm there. If you're not there, say, not there. If you're not looking, say, not looking. Because you're going to read it anyway, Pastor Gary, and I have really good listening skills. But Matthew 28. 18 to 20 from the New International Version. This is what it says. Then Jesus came to them and he said... Does anybody know who them are in this sentence? His disciples. His disciples. There you go. Then Jesus came to them and he said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore... Since all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now, do you remember I think it was 3 weeks ago if I'm not mistaken I talked about the command that Jesus gave to his followers. Does anybody remember what that command was or is? So if we're going to follow Jesus, he says, teach them to follow my commandments. Does anybody know what that command is? We can be interactive today. No one's going to hear you online, so it's okay. It's really easy. Valentine's Day, we celebrate the romantic kind of this. Jesus said, love one another. Because if you can learn to love one another, every single other command that Jesus ever gave, every single level of instruction that he gave will automatically fall into place when we choose to love one another above everything else. And that's why the disciples asked him, they said, what's the greatest commandment? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And equally as important, love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus gives this great command, in all that you do, love one another. There's a reason Proverbs says, it is good for brothers who dwell together in unity. It is good for brothers to dwell together in unity. Love one another. All right, five words in this verse today that are going to change your life. Are you ready? Five words. They're... Five fingers so we can, we can do this together. I am with you always. Let's say that together. I am with you always. What an amazing promise of God. I am with you always. This is exactly what he's saying in Matthew 28, Matthew 28 18 to 20. He says, through all the authority in heaven and earth given to me, therefore go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Okay, there's the instructions. Teach them to obey my commandments. And surely, I think mine says, surely I'm with you to the very end of the age. In other words, when you go and do all of these things, when you face opposition, when you face heartache, when you face hardship, when you face blessings, I am with you always. I don't know if you are aware of this, but God is personally interested in you. Say, God is interested in me. You know, think think back to um, maybe some of you think back to when you're in youth, and you catch the eye of that cute guy or that cute girl, and you go, "I wonder if they're interested in me." I'm not going to tell any stories today, but I remember those feelings. And I, my wife's not here this morning. She's home sleeping because apparently people that work nights need to sleep. I don't, I don't understand, but they do. But um, I am so blessed to be married to such an amazing person. And I don't know if you know how amazing my wife is. You probably don't because you're not married to her. I am. But I am so glad that she took an interest in me. Because aside from her, there's not much hope for me. All right? She got in. I I got in before she saw just how weird I really am. I'm so glad she took an interest in me. But no matter how weird you are, no matter how smart and good-looking you are, God is interested in you. It's kind of a nice, warm, fuzzy feeling, isn't it? Um, There's a word in this phrase that I am with you always. Always. No different translations actually use that word, I am. And if you've heard me preach before, and you maybe heard me say this phrase before, when Jesus says these statements, especially the book of John, I am, it's something that we need to pay attention to. And it comes way back to a long history throughout Israel. If you know the story of Moses in the burning bush you would know exactly the words that God spoke to Moses. So what happens is Moses sees a fire on top of a mountain. He climbs the mountain and he comes around a corner and he sees this bush on top of the mountain that is on fire. And while that may seem normal to some of you who fight forest fires, Greg, this bush was unique in the fact that even though it was on fire, it was not going to be burned up. And so Moses realizes that there's something special going on here. And the next thing you know, the bush starts to speak to him. And Moses, you know, I don't know what you would do if a bush started to speak to you. But Moses uh, responds. And the bush gives him some instructions. He says, the land you're standing on is holy. Take off your sandals. And so he takes off his sandals. And he stands in the presence of God. And he asks the burning bush a question. He says, who are you? Who, who, who? No one? Okay. He asks the burning bush who who it is. And the bush responds. Does anybody know how the bush responded? I am that I am. The voice of God saying, I am that I am. And so we see this correlation, Jesus with his disciples, and we see these famous I am statements. They say, who are you? And Jesus replies, I am the bread of life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. We see these important strategic words that Jesus is using because in that moment he is now associating himself to be God. Not just the Son of God, but he is also God himself. The three in one the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. One God, three persons. Jesus is not just ordinary man, he is I am. And so this, this point of conversation that we see take place as Jesus is ready to ascend into heaven, he says to his disciples, all authority in heaven and earth I have given to you. That's an incredible statement. We'll come back to that another time. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded. And though I am with you to the very end of the age. That promise is something that we hold on to this very day. That no matter where we go, God is with us. God is with us. From the moment Jesus was born on this earth, his name was to be Emmanuel, which means God with us. And from the moment that Jesus came, he never left. He's never left us. I am with you always. I am God is with you always. The moments that you feel weak, the moments that you feel down, the moments that you feel discouraged, the moments you feel let down, the moments that you feel betrayed, the moments you feel like you had your you had your backstabbed, God is with you always. Those moments that you feel joy, the moments that you feel happy, the moments that you feel incredible grace, incredible love, the moments of great blessing and reward, God is with you. That's something you can say amen to. Now, I don't know if anyone knows who Rick Astley is. Does anybody know? Does anybody know the famous song that he sings? Him and Jesus actually have something in common. Do you want to hear what it is? Neither of them are ever going to give you up, let you down, run around, or desert you. Neither of them are going to make you cry, say goodbye, tell a lie, or hurt you. How many of you sang that in your head this morning? Sandra, thank you. Thank you. Jesus said he is with us always. Through every fear, doubt, trouble, heartache, he is with us. All right, how does this relate to the Jesus method today? Well... Something we need to pay attention to is is how Jesus was with his 12 disciples. And so when he gave them the invitation to follow him, many of them had other jobs and careers. Some of them were fishermen, one of them was a tax collector, and so on and so forth. You can go back to the the winter of 2018 and listen to that series again of all the different apostles of Jesus, or you can do that homework on your own, what what their occupations were. But he gave them this call to follow him. And he literally said, just throw those nets away, put them down, and come and follow me. And for the next three years, they left everything behind and they followed him. Now, he followed them, they invited them with a powerful invitation, with a powerful promise that, hey, if you follow me, I am going to invest in your life. I am going to change your life. I'm going to change the trajectory of your life. But here's the promise that I'm making to you. I am with you always. His disciples were not just distinguished by their outward conformity. In other words, they weren't distinguished by the behavior modification. Although that definitely took place. They weren't changed by following certain rituals or certain rules, but they were changed simply by being in the presence of Jesus. They weren't changed by the rituals. They weren't changed by the places they went with Jesus. They were changed simply because of the the presence that Jesus had with them. And they became distinguished. They became known as his followers They became trustworthy people of the early church because the church and the early believers recognized that these 12 men walked closely with Jesus. It wasn't because of the way they acted. It wasn't because of the way they talked. It wasn't because of the way they confronted difficult situations. It was because of who they walked with. They walked with Jesus. He said, follow me. They were not typical disciples of a Rabbi, yet Jesus was offering them the greatest adventure and opportunity of their lives. They would have never ever had this invitation extended to them based on their behaviors, based on where they came from. They understood that this wasn't just following another disciple or rabbi. This was something different. They became qualified simply by their association long before they were qualified by their gifts and abilities. You know, as a new pastor walking into a church, you know, it can be really awkward. I've only done it, what, three times now? It can be really difficult. Like, I don't know anybody yet or when you walk into any 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 place any church it doesn't have to be a pastor when you come to a new church but there's a level of trust that exists simply because you know that these people are all about Jesus these people are associated with Jesus and there's a level of trust that instantly a level of bond that instantly happens when you can walk into another church and go i can trust these people because they follow Jesus and i follow Jesus Not because of the way they sing a song, not because of how they wear their clothes, but I I can tell they're close to Jesus, and so there's a level of trust that exists. So when Nick goes out to BC and he finds a new church to go to, he's going to have an instant level of connection because he's going to recognize people that are following Jesus. They're going to become qualified by their association long before their titles or abilities. Now, I have a story to tell you. Have you ever had a case of mistaken identity before? Let me just say this. You know, there's some weird churches out there. There There's some churches that do some weird things, that say some weird things. There's some churches out there that don't necessarily recognize, that you can't really recognize Jesus in, and that's really just because sometimes people get in the way. So there's some weird stuff out there. And so sometimes people have these really weird ideas about what church is like, and We kind of go, that's not us. We're not really about that kind of thing. We're just about loving one another and loving God first. It's genuine. Not saying we're perfect, but we're on the path, right? But no one likes to have the case of mistaken identity. Now, I was 19 19 years old, and my mom had a 91 Buick Century. It used to be my grandmother's car. So I'm literally driving a grandma car, okay? Okay big old boat, big white car, and it's winter time. and my friend Joel is in the passenger seat with me, and we are driving home from a youth event. I think it was youth night or something church-related, and we're driving through town like we often did in a small town because there was nothing else for us to do. We're just cruising around town, chatting, hanging out, and we see an empty parking lot of the, uh, 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 of the Baptist church. Now, we went to the Pentecostal church, so it was okay to go to the Baptist church parking lot. And there was no cars in the parking lot. And so when you're a young guy and you're in your mom's car and you see a nice snow-packed parking lot, what do you have to do? You have to do donuts. You just have to do donuts. And so we did that, you know, we had a bit of fun. And then I said, okay, that's that's probably enough. I should get you home. And I should go home too. My mom probably wants your car back. And he's like, come on, Gary, just one more donut. I said, fine. And there was something in me that said, don't do it, but I did. One more donut. Now, the Baptist Church in Sioux Lookout is on an intersection of four corners. So, like, anyways. And the parking lot is visible from all four corners. So, I throw the car in reverse, and we do this wicked awesome donut. And as we come flying around, we're facing the intersection. And who should pull up to that intersection but a nice, kind OPP officer. Yep. And so I just kind of put the car in park, rolled down the window before, because I knew he was coming. And sure enough, he came flying over to the parking lot, and he ran up to our window, and he said, Hello, Mr. So-and-so. What are you doing? And he called me by the wrong name. Now, I knew this officer because he was the community safety officer, so he was in the schools and all kinds of stuff. My mom was a secretary at the school, so she knew him really well and all of these things. And he was on duty that night, and he looked at me and called me by the complete wrong first and last name, and he was mad. And I was like, okay, buddy, I was just doing donuts. I know how much cops like donuts. I didn't say that. I didn't say that. But I was kind of like, I understand that I was not behaving in an appropriate way. But the way that you're responding to me is something at a much deeper level. And when he said the wrong name, I instantly knew why. Now this young man in town looked just like me. We both had glasses. We had, I had curly hair at one time. It's was kind of fro I had a, a bit of a curly, longer, bushier beard as well. And we looked quite a bit the same. And he called me by this other kid's name. And this other kid, now he had a bit of a reputation. He actually lost his license. And so when the OPP officer saw that it was me thinking it was him in the car, he had this moment where, hey, you are associated with things that you're not supposed to be doing. In fact, you're not even supposed to be in a car in the driver's seat. What are you doing? And so I politely, kindly handed him my license and said, actually, It's Mr. Aduno. And he was really embarrassed. But no OPP officer wants to show that they're embarrassed. So he grabbed it out of my hand and ran back to his car to make sure I was telling the truth. Anyways. In that moment, I thought what was a bad situation was about to get incredibly worse. But thankfully, I had ID on me to tell him otherwise. There are moments where... We could be subject to mistaken identity. But the fact is, is that most people, when they look at you and they know who you're associated with, I believe there's an element of trust there that can exist. Hey, you're one of those good ones. You go, you're one of the ones that go to North Shore Church. You're one of those ones that follow Jesus, and you're really genuine with your faith. You seem to be associated with things that are good. You're not like some of those other weird places. I believe I can trust you. Jesus guaranteed that he would always be with his disciples no matter what. So what's the purpose of this method? Well, I think one of the things that we learn is that no matter what, you have to be involved in the presence of Jesus. Before you can ever reach out to somebody else, you have to know what it's like to be and live in the presence of Jesus. Before you ever open your mouth to share the good news, the gospel, you have to know what it's like to be in the presence of Jesus. Because it's that association that gives you the qualifications. It's that association that gives you the qualifications. Presence before preaching is what I put in my notes. Mark 3, 14 to 50 says, He appointed twelve that might be with him. And that he might send out to preach and have authority. He appointed twelve that they might be with him. Before they ever went out to preach and teach and drive out demons, Jesus was with them. Before they preached, before they performed any sort of miracle or healing, Jesus was with them and they were with him. We need to pay attention to this method. That they walked with Jesus that they talked with Jesus. And Jesus' method for developing his followers was that he would always be with them. He would always be accessible to them and be associated with them no matter what. Now, there's a couple goals that we we do when we gather as followers of Jesus that we want to do to see our future followers do one of the things that we want to pass on to others is the art and the gift of praying, simply talking to Jesus. It's hard to get to know somebody if you never have a conversation with them. So I always talk about being in a long-distance relationship when Elizabeth and I met because we had no choice but to talk. I mean, it's so nice sometimes to sit in the room, to sit in the car with somebody and just be silent and their presence is, is meaningful. And we have those moments with Jesus, too. But at some point, you have to open your mouth and have a conversation. And we talked and we talked and we talked and we talked so much. We got to know everything there was to know about our lives at that point because we talked. And so the same thing is that if we want to be in the presence of Jesus and if we want to follow the promise that he gave to us, we know that he's willing, are we willing to take the next step and reciprocate and pray and talk with Jesus? We want to spend time in his presence by speaking and praying in the Spirit. We want to spend time with Jesus by reading his word. We want to come to church or put on Spotify or even on our own homes songs of praise and worship that bring us into the presence of God. Jesus said that he is with us always. You could almost argue that The most important fact is to have your personal appointment with Jesus and be in constant association with him rather than to actually preach what he says. How many have ever heard the expression, do what I say, not what I do? How many have ever used that for your kids before? Do what I say, not what I do? Why would anyone want to follow a hypocrite? They're not hip with it anyway. Isn't that how the song goes? If we want to see other people follow Jesus, then we ourselves need to continue to follow Jesus. We need to not only follow Jesus' example toward us the way he promised to choose us. Ephesians reminds us, in case you forgot, Ephesians said he chose us in Christ. So you're chosen. You don't have to worry about being on the outside. Christ has chosen you. It's his desire for your life that you would be with him. We have that confidence. So you're associated. And he says, because I chose you, I am with you. I'm with you. He's with us. He's with you right now. He's with us right now. So follow the same method. Find someone that's far from God and begin to bring them closer to him. And... And commit to that person that no matter what, you will never leave them. That you'll always be for them. I'm not telling you that they have to move into your house with you. I'm not telling you have to take them on family vacations with you. But the method that Jesus had was he invited followers. He invited people to be with him wherever he went and whatever he did. And so if you're going to take some time and pray and worship, invite someone to join you. It doesn't have to be all the time, but invite someone to join you. If you don't know how to do that, just bring them to church with you and worship the way you normally do when you come to church. Praise God like you always praise God. Right, I'm going to go through some, some things as we close today. You know, one of the things that Jesus often did because he valued the time with his disciples so much is he got away with them. We also see that Jesus really valued time with his father. And so he did whatever it took. He would go in the middle of the night to pray because that was the only time that he had. He would go in the middle of a boat somewhere in the middle of a lake to be alone with just his disciples. They would walk through some barren land or forest just to get away so he could have time to invest in his followers. If we're going to adopt the methods of Jesus, then we're going to adopt this method as well. And encourage you... To go on a retreat with Jesus, spend some time with him, go for a walk, go for a weekend, go for a long drive. we got a great place to do all of those things right where we live. The personal application here is do everything with him. As you're walking the halls at work, you know, you can be talking to Jesus as we listen to the song before church started today. As you go for a drive, some of my best moments with God are the moments where I'm alone in the car, when my wife works nights and I'm alone at home and the kids are in bed. Some of my best moments with Jesus are in the stillness and the quietness. The personal application is, in everything that you do, do it with Jesus. As you're cooking supper, making breakfast, maybe it's as simple as putting on the right song. Don't just put on CFNO in your car. You can put on something that's uplifting to Jesus. There's a corporate application for us as a church. Do the same thing in private, but invite someone to join you. Pray with them, worship with them, have fun together. There's an missional application to this Jesus method as well. The missional application is this. Take those who are willing and train them in your process. Say, this is the process I have for getting close to Jesus. He's promised to be with me, and this is how I reciprocate and am with him. As a missional approach. Invite others to join you. And even though they might not have the same knowledge or understanding of who Jesus is, they might not even know what they're doing, but they're going to learn the more that you are present with them. The missional approach also means serving in ministry together. One thing that we notice is that even though Jesus took time away from the crowds, he never stopped serving them. He never stopped praying or healing or ministering to the crowds. He never stopped reaching out to people that were far from God. So our challenge to me, for me today and the challenge for us today is simply this. Do everything with Jesus. Sounds kind of cheesy, sounds kind of ridiculous, sounds maybe overly simple. But the fact is, is that God chose you in Jesus. The fact is that God promised never to leave you. And so include him in everything that you do. And if there's things in your life that you're kind of tired of, there's things in your life of maybe doing the same thing over and again, or like, hey, I don't think God really wants me to do this thing anymore. The moment you invite Jesus into that moment with you, it's really hard to do those things that you don't want to do. Not that you have someone looking over your shoulder. That's not what I'm saying. But if there's patterns in your life that you're just tired of that you want to break because you really just want to get closer to God and you net, there's, there's, there's things in your life, these barriers, these walls that you want to tear down, invite Jesus into that activity with you and I guarantee you that that's going to change something in your life. Because I don't want to do this anymore. And if I know that Jesus is with me, I'm definitely not going to want to do that anymore. You know, I was talking with someone a few weeks ago, and they said when they started following Jesus and they were dealing with like just regular things in their job, in their life, and what do I do in this? And the person that decided to walk with them, their response was as simple as, well, did you pray about it? What did Jesus say about it? And all of a sudden they're grumbling and they're complaining, stop, because they realized oh, "I actually, I, I didn't. I don't know what God said about it because I didn't ask him. And they learn because some great saint of the church took them under their wing and just challenged them with that simple question, well, what did Jesus say? Did you talk to Jesus about it? Every decision that you have to make, big or small, every step that you take, did you talk to Jesus about it? Again, really overly simple. Takes moment in practice. So my challenge for us is this, is that as we step out of this building today, we take a moment, we realize that the promise is that he is always with us. So why don't we walk with him? Why don't we walk with others with him? Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you so much for your great love for us. Lord, I thank you that you have chosen us regardless of our past, regardless of circumstance, regardless of social standing and cultures. Lord, you have chosen us in Christ Jesus to be your followers. And, Lord, you chose us because you care so deeply for us. Lord, you sent Jesus for us to become your sons and your daughters. Lord, as we sang with that song this morning today, Lord, you've turned graves into gardens. Lord, you came to do that so that we could be redeemed and restored, O oh God, in Christ Jesus. And we thank you for that new life. Lord, for the methods that you shared with us of how you turn things around. Lord, it's not just about what you came to do, it's how you did it that matters because how you did it was the change in the process itself. Lord, you took 12 guys that nobody cared about, very few people even liked. And yet, Lord, you used them to change the world. And Lord, I believe that as you are transforming us, you're also calling us to be your hands and your feet, to bring transformation and renewal and restoration to the world around us. And so, Lord, the promise that you have made to us, that you would never leave us. Lord, the first step today is we choose to never leave you. Lord, we commit as we become followers of Jesus. We decide that I will follow you in all that I do. And, Lord, we also take the next step. And, Lord, we believe today you give us the strength and the courage and the power through your Holy Spirit oh Lord, to be missional on our approach and to not leave those who God has called us to. Lord, for that person that we prayed earlier, Lord, during our time of worship this morning, that person that you put in our eyelids, that name or that face, oh God, Lord, we will continually persevere and continue to pursue and we will continue to pray for, Lord, that person, Lord, that you have put on our hearts, Lord, and the same method that you gave to us that you would never leave us, the same method of association, Lord, we will choose to be associated with them, that we will choose to always be in their court. Lord, give us the courage to take this step of faith. Lord, give us the courage to follow you. Lord, give us the courage to always love one another, even when it gets difficult. Lord, I thank you for that song we sang as well. Lord, you know our name. Lord, you know the names of every man, woman, and child, Lord, in our community. Lord, you know where they're at, and I pray that you would use us to be with them, that they would come to know you, Lord, through association with us and through Jesus. I just thank you in your holy name I pray. Amen.